Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways they connect us. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Episode 600 is coming at us at lightning speed. That's a terrifying prospect. I mean, yay! Wow. We did live stream for episode 500 Mm -hmm. a year ago. So we produce 100 episodes a year. Yep. Crazy enough. And we are going to do the exact same thing. We're going to live stream on YouTube. It'll be a little bit later in the evening. Hopefully some more of you can join us. It'll be on Thursday night before uh, we release the podcast Friday morning. It is May 6, 2021. So we will do that late Thursday evening for our Friday podcast release. The Friday podcast release will be the only audio version, but we'll do live questions and that kind of stuff like we did the last time. It's going to be very cool. Live, all non-car, all everything. It'll it'll be all of the above. It'll be non-car. It'll be car. It'll be just we're here. So let's have a conversation. I'm looking forward to it. Just ask film questions so we can get Todd all ranty and pissed off. It's a short trip to make me ranty these days. (laughs) Like pick a director who's, you know... (laughs) Getting accolades for no reason <laughs> in Hollywood and doesn't deserve them, and then we'll see where the conversation. Wow, goes. that's a terrifying prospect. Other <laughs> things that don't really relate to cars. Thank you guys for all the nice reviews on my book. Many of you have read it. It's Paper Father. It's available on Amazon. You can find it through our website. You can go to the shop in the Amazon tab. But the ratings on there, I honestly, I'm kind of flattered by them because good, they're good. really, really good, and I'm, I'm really impre- appreciate it. You guys rating that, just like this podcast or the TV show or whatever, those good ratings get other people encouraged to actually read the book or watch the, this show or listen to this podcast. So thank you guys for the ratings because they genuinely matter. Yeah, absolutely. Quick note of thanks to our cheap sports car challenge sponsors, Auto Tempest and Power Stop Brakes. Yeah. Big thanks to them for their ongoing sponsorship, and mm-hmm. we have a lot planned for these cars for later this year. We've got a few more episodes, but we've got some, a really big one to, to film, actually. Well, while so we're here, I'm going to stop while we're fun. here because i got to find the person to ask this question, but there was somebody. Here it is. Uh, Rick said, uh, "Which when is that episode coming out on manual transmissions? He has a friend who's trying to learn. Oh, good. So I'm now committing myself to it but next Thursday happy Friday by the way this so next Thursday that episode is coming out as our latest cheap car challenge episode where we teach two very young drivers very inexperienced drivers how to drive manual transmission using our cheap sports cars which is great because you know they kind of don't want to die which I'm glad about by the way and they were very cheap so it's the right car the to cars teach not the people uh, no the, true the, the yeah. people are fine they're quite young yeah they're, 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 they're doing fine. fine yeah I was standing over chance's shoulder just recently while he was sorting footage mm-hmm. for that manual transmission episode and our teaching styles are are dramatically different. Uh, yes. There's some things I think we agree on, but there's our, our approaches are dramatically different. And yeah, that's I'm looking okay. forward to that. Yeah. And I, I really approached it from the standpoint of how I would have wanted to be taught. Mm. And we can have this discussion later on the podcast. Once that episode comes out and Great. kind of discuss it a little bit more in depth about our, our two different styles. But I was like, okay, yeah. And then uh, we'll just we'll just have to see. So, <laughs> meanwhile, there's a, a new video on our test drive channel. It is the Dodge Durango SRT Hellcat, and we are aware that they opened up a few more uh, in the build order. They apparently found some more engines, but they didn't say we're <laughs> oh, going look. to build like 500 more. Oh, it's look. a handful more. It wasn't you know there's an initial run of 2,000, mm. and then they're building a handful more. Where were these engines hiding in the back? Like. You were thinking about taking them home and Extra doing a project full car? Of engines. I wonder what? if it's, they actually are going to release – they're not going to tell anybody. They're going to release the uh, press cars to the public. Because I was amazed that, could that be. car had yeah. a press car at all. 
I was shocked, but but most everybody's driven it, us included, so we have a test drive. That actually was something that we shot as part of a TV episode for season nine. We have mm-hmm. it as part of a comparable, but we also, yes. when we have these TV episode cars now, we try to also shoot them in the test drive style, which is the two of us sitting there together, ranting kind of like we do here. So that piece is actually out on the <laughs> test like drive it. channel, and again, next Thursday, coming up here, we have on our main channel, our original channel, is the Cheap Sports Car Challenge Teach Manual Transmission. So that yep. will be... Quite interesting. A quick piece of business here. Well, business, but just kind of a, a notable car that I've been curious about. Uh, it is an electric super sports slash track car designed and built by a tech entrepreneur in ba- named Baltasar Lopez. He's in Barcelona, Spain. The world premiere just happened. And so we were sent the marketing materials, which was great. It was cool yeah. to be included yeah, yeah. in that and just kind of see the specs on this thing. Mm-hmm. And it has to do with our discussion about will future electric cars be any fun Mm -hmm. and just kind of coming off our electric SUV shoot and all the discussion that we've had. And you and I have driven the first generation Tesla Roadster, which is essentially an Elise packed with batteries and it ruins the car. Quite fast and yet quite heavy. It's quick. Oh, yeah. It's very quick. It just – it doesn't feel good in any way for driving. It's just – it's ruined because of the weight. But this car is – uh, let's see here. It is 770 kilograms, mm-hmm. which is just under 1,700 pounds. Mm-hmm. And this, it was just a kind of intriguing to me. And I'm just sort of wondering now, are future electric sports cars going to be relegated to this small form factor? Because it is about the size of a Tesla Roadster. Mm-hmm. It's little. At yeah. least it's very tiny. It's got two electric motors. So it's all wheel drive, 500 brake horsepower. And 737 pound-feet of torque. I thought it was rear-wheel drive with torque vectoring. That's what the two motors were about. I, I saw all-wheel drive, but I'll, I'll go back and look. Okay. Uh, nevertheless, it's quick. Oh, yeah. A whole lot of power in a very light chassis, all things considered. But it is designed very much as a straight-up track car. I mean, if you very look much, at it, it's, this is, it's road-legal in the same way your Ariel Atom is road legal. <laughs> yeah, okay? Yeah. So it, it doesn't really have a windshield. It doesn't have a top. It's, it looks kind of like the KTM Expo. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit more boring, but anything's boring compared to a KTM Expo. That is quite nuts. Yes. <laughs> it's And to your point, it's FIA racing safety compliant, but it's also street legal. Mm-hmm. You can just cruise around in it. It's prepped for a 40-minute race using technology from MilorBattery.com, M-I-L-L-O-R. Mm-hmm. And it's got a charge of about 62 miles in five minutes. Hmm. So that's kind of interesting. The big problem is yeah. it's 230,000 euro. <sighs> Yikes. That's the big problem. That is a big problem. That's a, a large number. It's a very large number, and that's the problem. I'm so, thinking about all the things you could buy with that money. Yeah. That's the problem. It was just – it's interesting that and, – and I'm glad this is being worked on. Mm-hmm. It was Agreed. just more of a Agreed. vague like flicker of, oh, okay, so is that, is that where we're going to go? It's going to be very boutique and expensive mm-hmm. to get – the feel and fun out of an electric sports car. And it's light. Mm-hmm. It's just under 1,700 pounds. That's that not is bad. incredibly light when you consider electric car and yeah. batteries and that kind of thing. It's incredibly light. But that is a, that's a staggering price. I think about the, the dedicated track cars we've talked about on this show where people go out and buy. I'm going to buy a dedicated track car. I think about the dedicated track car you could buy, the shop you could rent to store to said dedicated oh, yeah. track car, right. and the fun car you could drive daily and still spend less than 230,000 euro. That is a lot of money. Yeah, indeed. Our friends at Griot's Garage have got a new line of ceramic products to make your car care easier and more satisfying than ever. Start with the new Ceramic Wash & Coat, an ultra-slick formula that can be used with either the bucket wash method, which I like, or a foaming sprayer, which I also like, or a cannon, which I also like. We actually take Griot's Speed Shine with us on every single shoot. It's the ultimate for quick detailing, and it now has ceramic protection as well. 
Ceramic Speed Shine maintains a slippery gloss finish in between your main washing and protection days. And they even have ceramic trim wipes for long-lasting protection on plastic trim. Try any of these products or use them as your new wash routine. They are 100% guaranteed and all their liquid products are made in the USA. Don't forget to use the code EDRIVER when you order at griotsgarage.com. Our audience gets 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. A couple of very interesting debates here. First from Paul E. out in Detroit, Michigan. He is a motorcycle guy who sold his dream car. And his dream car is a Tesla Model 3. Paul, I love that you wrote this in, and I love the detail here, but I think this came over multiple days in multiple chapters and volumes. It is a lengthy email, but wow, the detail. We're going to do our best to condense the yes. story. None of us have that get kind to of the time. Point yeah. mm-hmm. Yes. More quickly. It's good but stuff, though, Paul. It's interesting, though. And he says his first car was his dad's truck, 96 F 150. Okay. He modified it, and he liked having a truck. But he had reliability issues and bad fuel economy. However, however, this starts him on this rut, this trend of owning all kinds of Ford vehicles, sometimes duplicates of Ford vehicles. So right. that may have been his first, but it makes him a Ford guy. Indeed. He had a Ford Focus sedan in 05 that he replaced with a Focus ST from 06 with a body kit upgrade. He loved it. And it got him into doing modifications, and this really introduced him to the car community, mm-hmm. made great friends, went on driving trips. But he sold that because he's really more into motorcycles. 95 Kawasaki Ninja. Oh, those are cool. Paired with a 04 Dodge Dakota. Mm-hmm. That was his, his mm-hmm. work truck, so to speak, yes. Yeah. He replaced the Dakota with a 2011 Ford Focus. Ding, ding. And then he replaced the Ninja with an 08 Harley-Davidson Night Rod. I love his aside here. <laughs> the engine was designed oh, by yes. Porsche. He's tapping on your shoulder here, Paul. I know. By the is. way, while I'm here, yeah. Interesting. Well, then he moved to Chicago, sold his beloved Porsche Harley. <laughs> by the way, no Harley guy is walking around saying, I have a Porsche Harley. Those are those <laughs> things do, they do not have an equal sign between them. That may be true. Yeah. But nobody's walking around sharing well, that. Well, I, I don't think it's a badge of honor for Harley guys to, exactly to acknowledge right. anything having no. to do with Porsche. They no, don't no, no. Yeah, that that's not happening. He picked up a Suzuki SV650 motorcycle to keep scratching the bike itch. And then what else? Oh, he got a 2013 V6 Mustang and got to have it green. Wait a minute. That's another Ford. Wow. A lot of Fords. <laughs> and so he's, he's had a Mustang, but he says it's kind of a fat pig. And he lives in Michigan, so getting anywhere in the winter was tough, even though he had Blizzax. Mm, okay. But then he met his wife. And so this next shuffle came. His wife works in the hospital, was not a fan of his motorcycle life. And he says, I I love the open wind feeling, the obscene power, the terrifying nature of being on a motorcycle. But he sold the Suzuki to prevent her from worrying. Oh, wow. He also traded in that V6 Mustang and picked up a 2015 Chevy Cruze. (laughs) Wow. Chevy Cruze was literally an attempt to just not have another Ford. And he said, actually, it had surprisingly good driving dynamics, and it was peppy for what it was. But let's be honest, it was another commute car. So he um, traded it in early and got, wait for it, it's a Ford product, a 2017 Mustang GT, this time in Grabber Blue. I love, Paul, that you're actually getting colors. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there is yeah, this, yeah. this pull back to Ford for you. Every time you stray, you're right back at Ford. But I love that you got another Mustang. And then you were in Michigan winters again, got winter tires, <laughs> saying, and then realized oh, yeah. it doesn't work. This isn't like good for that. Your conclusion the first time around. I Kind of funny. funny. But he says, uh, 
Despite his love of the car, he made a career change in the spring of 2019 that now had him commuting 55 miles round trip every day into the city of Detroit. Okay. This was an uptick from his current commute of seven miles. And he says if he had kept a Mustang, well, the gas bill, of course. Mm-hmm. So he went shopping. He drove a bunch of German cars, actually. He drove a 2019 Jetta. He says, well, he's a bigger guy, about 300 pounds. He likes the space. He also drove a 2019 Accord Sport. He says it was fine. Roomy, okay interior, okay driving dynamics. <laughs> but he wait. <laughs> then he went and drove a Ford Fusion Hybrid yeah. and said, I like this. Paul is a Ford guy. He ended up leasing the Fusion, and he went on his way. It was fine. Cozy. Seats were great. Apple CarPlay was great. He got addicted to Apple CarPlay and adaptive cruise control by owning that car. But... Then he was changing cars shortly thereafter because his wife needed a new car. And she said, look, you don't really like your Fusion. What if I take the Fusion over? You get something you really like. What did he conclude on? In February of 2020, he got a long-range, all-wheel drive Tesla Model 3, and he is blown away by it. Yeah, he says the steering is so heavy and tight. The technology, the autopilot functionality. He says this was great for his commute. Seats were comfortable. He loved the acceleration. Mm-hmm. It was so addicting, he says, to combine that acceleration with a low center, center of gravity and the steering feel of the Tesla. So he loved every second he was in that car. And he's more into a road tripping, not necessarily yeah. tracking. Commute and road trip, yeah, for so sure. Because he's the type of guy who will just hop in the car and drive five hours to go to the breakfast place that the, we tried over in Chicago that he said, he and his wife. He spontaneously drove eight hours round trip up to Traverse City, Michigan's up north Wine City, which as a matter of fact is the headquarters for Haggerty. Mm-hmm. That's their location, their headquarters up there. And they'd just grab a glass of wine, sit out overlooking the bay, and relax a bit. Just to do it. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's told us Traverse City is really amazing. I've heard nothing but great things. Yeah. But it, I think it also depends on the time of year. It does. We've also <laughs> heard that part. Bit. So, as he writes this letter, his beloved Model 3 is now gone. Mm. When COVID hit the U.S. and his company, he worked from home, and he had been the proud owner of his Model 3 for about five weeks, but then spent the next year paying the insane insurance the really high Michigan re- registration fees. They pay. They charge a penalty. A penalty on registration for an EV. This is to offset the lack of gas yep. tax. Gas pay. taxes. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. Got to pay for those roads somehow, right? And an almost eight hundred dollar a month car payment. Mm. Wow. So all in, he says the Tesla was costing him over a thousand dollars a month to sit in the garage and be driven just a few hours a month. Yikes. And he says since the price of used cars and especially used Teslas is through the roof, he decided to sell it. Go as a single car family for a few months, taking that $1,000 a month in savings Mm. to pay off remaining debts and save for his next car. I see it. I get it. This is where we're at now. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have a car. His wife still has that Fusion, but he doesn't Mm -hmm. know what to do. He doesn't want to spend the money, the kind of Tesla money again, because he hated that kind of debt. You know, hanging over him. It was stressful. Yeah, as much as he loved the car, he, that was stressful on the budget. I get it. And here I preach that stress, right? Well, you do, but but kind but of. people accept that stress often. This is just this is they Paul's do. situation. And it's, here. it's a personal choice. He looked at his situation. Yes. He just said, "I can't swing that." In spite of loving the car, I get that. That's a t- that's a tough choice. Yeah. Well, he fell in love with the dynamics. He didn't fall in love with the build quality. I have decided that Legos, my Lego car, your son's Lego cars, mm. are engineered and better built. Than Teslas. Well, Legos actually have surprisingly tight fitting. Yeah. 
They really have the the yeah. Anyway, separate I'm thing. Pretty jealous of your son's Bugatti Chiron Lego. We car we are we're got. eyeing it. That, that we you got that at Christmas. We haven't gotten there. Yet. We haven't gotten there yet because of other things have invaded. But so wow, jealous yeah, it's of very that cool. Thing. Yeah. I can't wait to see it. It's like ninth scale. That thing's going to be it's, amazing. <laughs> he's almost going to be able to sit and drive it. It's huge. I'm going to have ask, yeah. I'm going to have to ask him if I can come over and play with his Bugatti. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Well, anyway, Paul wants something more comfortable. He says he still loves to road trip. He, he does like spirited, curvy road driving as well, but he's just not quite sure. And, and I, I understand the budget and what you're looking for. He's driven Miatas. He says he loves that feeling, but he struggles a bit with his size and the of the ND and his size. Mm. He's driven his friend's C6 Corvette a few times. He says, I'd own one if they were in Texas, not Detroit. Mm, interesting. Okay. He's also driven a Porsche 911 GT3 RS on a track day. And he, wow, there's a twist. Well, I'm with you. Welcome to the pool of Porsche. It's a big <laughs> pool. There's room for everyone. It's a large <laughs> There's tub. really no shallow end, though, by the way. It, you you got to no. dive in. It's it's deep. <laughs> it's all, yeah. it's all just It's all just deep. It's, just it's, like, deep. it's like Olympic diving depth. It, <laughs> that is a deep pool. It's yeah. Lake Tahoe. It's just really deep and Look big. Out. There's room for everybody. Right? Look out. He also test drove an M235i. A, uh, he's debated a Cayman or a Macan. Okay. He enjoyed the M235i. He says it's got a good feel and the dynamics were fun. He's landed at German sports sedans, having liked the interior quality of the Porsche, the Jetta, the BMW. Hmm. He thinks it gives him a balance of comforts and some good dynamics, but he's thinking buying two or three years old is likely the best budget option. He says, although that, although that's the case, used buying used scares him. He's only ever had two used cars, and both have had repair and reliability issues that scare him. Mm. He also never wants to think about reliability before he gets into the car for some spontaneous road trip, like breakfast in Chicago. Like that, these things happen, apparently, yeah. You know. So, he's contemplated two cars and having the two-car life again, but should he get a single nice commuter weekender now and then add a Corvette or a Porsche to the garage in three or four years? Mm. He shot 330 X-Drives, A4s, C300s. Hasn't driven them, but he shopped them at least. Okay. Wants reliability, comfortable, decent on fuel, preferably all-wheel drive. And the tech, he just wants Apple CarPlay. <laughs> okay. So, all right. I like it. That's good. That brings us all to the budget. He'd like it to be under $25,000, but he's willing to push to thirty thirty-two for the right car. Interesting. We know where that's going. Yeah. I'm glad you're willing because we are that's going in that direction. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, thank you so much for writing. And wow, what a story. And your mm-hmm. email is longer than we even made it. Oh, it's, it's, there's, there's four I, or five I scrolls. I love here. the detail. I, I wow. prefer, I'm just going to say it again. Paragraphs are your friend. Paul used paragraphs. Thank yes, you. He did. Paragraphs are your friend. Please do not send us wall of text because it's very difficult to read. I know you typed it out on your phone, but there's an enter button on your phone, by the way. There is a return <laughs> key. So there's that. Please send paragraphs. Also, uh, ideally, two scrolls. Two computer scrolls. I realize two scrolls on a phone is a short little thing. True. Two True. computer scrolls <laughs> is about what we're hoping for. We got a lot to read, but this was great from Paul. Thank you. I'm just glad to have grammar, you know. Occasionally that happens too. I love it's my nice. parents, Batman and Robin. I love my parents, comma, Batman, comma, and Robin. <laughs> it makes a difference. Let's eat grandma. Let's eat, comma, grandma. Yes. yes. Okay. There's a difference. I do have your car, Paul, that I really want you to take a hard okay. look at. You didn't say anything negative about that BMW M235i, though. True. You just left it dangling. You mm-hmm. said, yeah, it was good. It had good feel, good dynamics, and you could fit in it just fine. So, it's along the same lines when people write to us with, I've always wanted a 911 or I've always wanted a Corvette. You just left it there. Hello. Yeah. I drove an M235i and I enjoyed it. And? 
Fair. Okay. But that's not the car I think you should get. After going through all of this, Paul, after understanding everything, your love for electric vehicles, but you just don't want to get back into it. Mm -hmm. I toyed with the idea about the Chevy Bolt because it's okay. Yeah. We we love aspects about the Chevy Bolt. Now the second generation has arrived Mm -hmm. that we loved over the Tesla model three. We acknowledged the goodness of the Tesla model three. Yes, for sure. But then that bolt was just so compelling. Yeah. And And they're so cheap, especially the users are incredibly cheap. So if you're going really used and you want to do save some money and you still Mm -hmm. want to go electric, it won't have the range of the Model 3, especially the new ones. It just won't. But it's going to get over 200 miles. I think Without so. question. I mean, temperature is an issue. Absolutely. Really absolutely. Is. But normally, it's going to get over 200 miles, for sure. So that's a consideration. You could just save money. You could go half your budget, almost, they're 13 yeah. grand, and get a used Chevy Bolt. Detroit has to be littered with bolts, surely. I think, yeah. They're built there. They're built over in Warren. Yeah, fair point. So get a bolt. You could consider that. But I really, really want you to take a close look at the new Mazda 3 2.5 Turbo. Mm. Yes, we wish it were a manual. It would be darn near perfect if it were that that were the case. But I don't think it matters for Paul. But he's coming out of an electric car. Mm-hmm. And he's going to use it as a commute car. Exactly. Yeah. Hatch or sedan. And I found you a 2021 Mazda 3 turbo all-wheel drive sedan for $28,500 <sighs> in Massachusetts with, with only 3,500 miles on it. That's kind of one and done there. Yeah, Paul, they're new. The Monroney on our hatch, I think, was 36. I think it was mid-30s, yeah. It's and a little we've bit got above his new, budget. Yeah. yeah, we've got the new CX-30 Turbo, mm-hmm. and that Monroney is about 36 as well. Yeah. So that's just yeah. sort of the, I want to be a cross-track kind of Mazda 3. Yeah. <laughs> but slightly used, 3,500 miles for 28.5, which means they'll let it go for 28. I think, no, I Hello? I have that on my list, and I'm glad you brought it up because I had it on my list because the, my only concern with that was can he find one for his budget? But you've done it, and that is a huge front runner here. I agree. It it was an Auto Tempest. Yeah. That was, That's well done. It wasn't just that one. There's multiple in okay. here. All right, I good. found, yeah, there's the price is right around 28, but okay. you could do well with that. Here's one for 34, here's one for 29. But that, you, that, that means it's in his budget yeah, for sure. Which, that, that's fantastic. That's great. Every time we drive that car, Paul, we're just we close the door, walk away, and look back and be like, man, that's just good. The fact that he brought up hatches and he wants build quality and a nice interior, I, I think that's a real front runner. I have others. But and I reliability. Think it's a real front runner. I'm scared of the German maintenance. You can get one that's new or close to yes. new. I agree with that. Yes. Just getting in the CX30 turbo and reminded again. About how good interiors in the Mazda are. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah. it's a luxury car. And then you look at the Monroni and think, wow, mm-hmm. Mazda for the win again. Yeah, they do really good stuff. That's my choice for you, Paul. That's excellent. I, I can't argue that at all, Paul. I think it's a really, really strong choice. I, I see your 330i xDrive. I think you would enjoy that. I I wonder the maintenance on it for you mm-hmm. because I, I just, I, I wonder. In the same category, because you said you like uh, German things and hatchy things, I have mm-hmm. to bring it up. Mercedes AMG GLA 45. Oh, delightful. That is. Now, I don't know what your space needs are. You said you actually really liked driving a Jetta. Yeah. And you had a, a string of Ford Focuses. So I'm thinking, Foci? No, yes, Foci. Many, many Foci. So anyway, but thanks for that. Thanks for adding that to our world. That's wonderful. I had to. So anyway, so I think you could probably fit in the AMG GLA 45. I I don't know about the reliability on those. However, I say that the people we know that have had them have not had reliability issues. We've known a few people that have had them for a while 
and they mm-hmm. never talk about the reliability on them. So I think that's an option. Two others where I started to go away from that into what could you enjoy on a long road trip? You're a big guy. Yeah. You want some all-wheel drive. I yeah. thought of two. The first one is not great for fit and finish, but you could actually absolutely find on your budget. Get an all-wheel drive charger. Oh. That is a road cruise machine. Now, That's good. Yeah. that has changed a lot over the years, specifically tech and quality of the interior, but tons of space, easy to own and drive. You could get the, the V6 in the all-wheel drive, and I think you'd be perfectly happy. Granted, you can get, I mean, look, if you can get the V8, awesome. But the way you're using it, I think V6 all-wheel drive charger gets it done. I also think in a similar category, used all-wheel drive Alpha Julia. Why not? That's got some personality there, Paul, Paul. I think you'd surprise yourself yeah. with that. It's a two-liter engine, so you can get good gas mileage. You can commute with it. It's got an eight-speed automatic. It's got a decent interior. I don't know. Alpha Julia all-wheel drive. I like that a lot. I think they call it the Q4, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. That's a good mm-hmm. one there. Yeah. Nothing wrong with your Audi A4 that you mentioned, but I think you want to look at these others. I have one wild card, and I can't not mention it. Okay. It's a wild card because it's completely out of his budget. <laughs> but hearing this so story it's not from just me. hearing this story from Paul, I couldn't get past this recommendation. Okay, right. you're a Ford guy. You've had multiple Foci. Yeah. You've had multiple Mustangs. Wow. You loved your Tesla Model Three. You see where I'm going? <laughs> a Mustang Mach E. It's way out of his budget. It's way out of his budget. It's way out of his budget. It's yeah. twenty grand more than his budget, but. Everything about the Mustangs that you like and keep going back to, everything about the Model 3 that you like, combined in one car. It may not even be a right now, but I, I, I was surprised it never even got mentioned here. Hmm. And I just thought, you're a guy that loves Mustangs and was surprised by a Model 3. You're practically the guy they made the Mustang Mach-E for. That's new math. A Focus plus a Mustang plus a Tesla Model Y equals... A kind Mach-E. of, kind of, and look, you're going to have all of the issues you had with the Model Three, and that is, you're going to have the extra taxes for registration. You're going to have yeah. the big monthly payment, and the insurance probably be a lot. I get it; it probably doesn't help you at all. The build quality won't be as bad. The build quality will It'll probably be, be as better, but I just, I think you're the perfect guy for one, even though it's out of your budget. When your car needs new brakes, it's a great time to upgrade for better stopping power. We're excited to partner with PowerStop Brakes for an easy way to get more performance from something you already need. PowerStop is on a mission to deliver better brakes on every vehicle in every situation from daily commuting to towing to track days. These are all bolt-on direct fit parts for better braking, no modifications required. Every PowerStop complete brake kit comes with all the parts you need to upgrade your brakes, including pads, rotors, and even those little clips and fasteners. Plus, all their pads are made from a carbon fiber ceramic compound, which they've tested extensively to deliver low dust and noise-free performance. So the next time you need brakes or you simply want to upgrade, visit PowerStop.com and enter your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use car finder. We even found great kits for our SUVs and our cheap sports cars. Give your everyday driver the easy and affordable performance upgrade it deserves at PowerStop.com. Michael in Milwaukee is saying goodbye to a beloved... He just said goodbye to his beloved 2015 Mustang V6 automatic. It's Mustang Day on it the Everyday is. Driver podcast. It sure is. Carvana offered $1,400 over what he paid two years ago and wow. 23,000 miles ago. It was an offer too good to pass up and a reflection of how hot the used car market is right now, he yeah, says. Yeah, big time. 
this is the situation that we've often referred to where you need to give yourself permission to try something new and you don't have to fall out of love with your current car to go do so. Okay. All right. For the time being, he has use of his late father-in-law's 2005 Acura RSX. Okay. But he'll need to find a new car before winter when the RSX hibernates. Why does it hibernate? Because uh, of Wisconsin? I, I guess. I guess. He doesn't want to do uh, winter tires. And Okay. All okay. Right, we're moving on. All right. Well, he's able to bike to work every day, so this won't be a daily. Well, hang well, 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 on. The RSX can't survive the winter in Wisconsin, but you bike to work? I guess during the summer months. I'm assuming you but, don't. But wait. Then when does the but, RSX get driven? I, you see my brain problem I here. don't know. That's because unclear. Because you bike to work. But you also say you bike to work every day. You don't say I bike to work when it's nice, but you just said – I. Look, I realize I'm splitting hairs here, Michael, but when I see a sentence that says I have to put the car away for the winter while I bike to work, I just think, <laughs> can we rethink this? The synapse doesn't hit the neuron it or doesn't. whatever. I'm confused. <laughs> well, his wife has a focus, another focus, Uh-oh. for when he and wow. the dog okay. all need to go somewhere. So good news, his car can be fairly impractical. I like this. Wow. His past car roster is almost kind of similar to Paul E.'s. He's had Focuses, he's had Cavaliers, he's had a Jetta, 2014 Jetta, he's mm-hmm. had, oh, what, Pontiac Grand Prix GT? A Cavalier that rusted to dust. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm oh, laughing. Man. A 1990 Chevy Cavalier that died due to rust. Wow. Okay. Well, he says it, he was sad to say goodbye to his Mustang, but he wants to experience more and different things. Okay, great. He might come back to it especially since his non-car nut wife actually liked it. Okay, cool. Key to his decision was that he's never owned a manual transmission and only driven one a handful of times. Mm. He wants to see if it really is the ambrosia every auto journalist makes it out to be. Do we rant now or rant later? <laughs> where, where, where does the rant go? It's coming anyway, the, the so rant. go Here, ahead. Here's, here's the rant. Okay, that, okay I'm going to speak with the voice of the internet real quickly. The only cars that are good cars always have a manual transmission. There is no car that is not made better by a manual transmission. That is false. Mm-hmm. You can have a bad manual. We talked about this on the last podcast. We our, just drove one. Our Wait. friends at Savage Geese did a big video about the fact that modern manuals aren't getting developed very well, and that's one of the reasons they're not very good and the automatics are awesome. Yep. Because what's everybody buy? I don't care what the internet says. They all buy automatics. Mm. A good manual transmission is magic. It's awesome. It is. When you drive a good manual transmission and you feel like you're driving it well, it's kind of like the thrill you get from dancing or skiing or anything you've done that is balance related that you got, you have that moment when you just kind of get into the zone. Mm-hmm. It yeah. gives you that while driving. Indeed. It doesn't mean you can't have a good automatic and it doesn't mean you can't drive a bad manual. <laughs> Rant over. I, I, yeah, I've ranted too much about McLaren Senna's and all the supercars that I know. Instagram just thinks are the best car ever. And I, yeah, they don't come with manuals. <clears throat> The list of desires for Michael is a manual transmission, something that's easy to learn on. Rear-wheel drive is preferred but not required. Good looks to help with wife approval. Okay. Suitable for cars and coffee, so no Mustangs. Non-grayscale. <laughs> was that out loud? Did I say yeah, it was that? out loud. Yes. Can't control my inner monologue. You can't. Non-grayscale color. Not a crossover. Okay, like it. He's never owned a convertible, so he's leaning that direction. I see it. Hard surface seats. The most common passenger will be a 40-pound Border Collie. I saw a Border Collie this morning riding passenger after school pickup. You did? And instead of just riding the passenger seat, it had its 
Picture this. It had its paws on the dash of the passenger seat and its head on top of its paws. So it was face pressed up against the glass as I went by. I laughed so hard. <laughs> anyway, side note. Since he's in Milwaukee, heated seats would be nice. I can see it. Reliable with service that won't cripple his bank account. Okay. So this budget we're talking is $20,000 out the door, Twenty five for me if it's something amazing. <laughs> Which probably means Porsche badge. Yeah. yeah. He's a huge Miata fan. And can see himself as that guy wearing a fur trapper hat with the top down in January. I like that guy. Can we make it a Russian hat? Well, well done, Michael. Those are warm, too. Those They're Russian hats are really warm. Great. They look goofy, and you put it on, you're like, I could go anywhere. But then that small part of your personality that wants to be goofy comes out. It gets magnified you when you're wearing help. a hat like that. You can't help it. And you just embrace it. You're that just... and the hat with the big ear flaps, that's yeah. the other one that's like that. Suddenly yeah. you're fun, Bobby. I don't know. He says Miata might be the answer, but he's considering 86s and Boxsters and Caymans and C6s. Solstices. Solstice? Solstice. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's. What's the, what's the plural of solstice? Hi, kids. Solstices are on his radar. <laughs> but when you make the Miata look like a C-130 Hercules, it's hard to be the only car. Yeah. Let's say us. Okay. All right. Wow. Michael, quite the choice. And I'm glad. I want to compliment you for taking that deal mm, and moving yes, on from absolutely. your Mustang. Yes. The fact that more Mustangs will be built, notwithstanding, but mm-hmm. the Mustang Mach-E is the direction Ford is taking the Mustang, and even though we've heard rumblings about, you know, how can the Mustang stay relevant to consumers, mm-hmm. but now they've, you know, they've expanded the brand, so I think that allows them to continue to make original Mustangs. What are we, what are we calling the, the real Mustangs? What are we calling those now? Mustang Classic. Like, <laughs> it goes with Coca-Cola oh, Classic. Good. Yes. Ford Mustang Classic. Over here we have new Mustang. They're going to do that too. They're going to do that. Yep, it's going to happen. It's Brace be yourself. Like clear Pepsi is the electric version. Hasn't it been like 30 years since Coca-Cola Classic came out yeah. again? Can we just drop the Classic? Can we just call it Coke again? Anyway, your car is thing. like a Zima Light. Do you like uh, a salad with that? Well, here we go. I do have the Mazda MX-5 RF with the upgraded engine power for you. 2019 oh. and newer, I believe. If you can get one of those in your budget of 25, run, don't walk. <laughs> Run. Notice. Actually, you know what? Bike colleague. there. You bike daily. Bike down and buy that. I've I'm, I'm connected down. the dots here. Yes. Notice that that is the top of my list for you, Michael. That's impressive. Good job for you. Because you said you're a huge Miata fan. Those are awesome. Agreed. I have come around Agreed. with the extra engine power. I'm, I know you have. I'm there. I still have to duck, and you have massive back problems. With and I, have, I hit my head all the time. Yeah. Still. Any Boxster. Any Boxster mm-hmm. will do. Yeah. Porsche badge. Boxster, convertible, manual. Mm-hmm. I, yes. I, that, that will be the car that will convert you. <laughs> be careful as a result, yes. But I have toyed around. Well, I started out with BMW Z1s. Do you know what the Z1 is, Michael? Do they have them here at all? Well, the problem is they're $100,000 if you can even find one. Our oh. friends at Enthusiast Auto have of them. Of course they do. But they're hundred grand because they're so rare and cool and weird. The doors and, drop into the floor. Yeah. Yeah. But I started there. You always have to start blue sky <laughs> and back off. <laughs> Figure out what a kill me and back $25,000 and Paul starts at six figures and goes, maybe we should go down. Just, but then I backed it off to you a did. C3M coupe. Okay. But then I kept backing it off to a BMW Z4 mm-hmm. because a really nice Z4 is much less than your budget. I mean, yes. 14, 15 grand for yes. a nice one. Spend spend 16, 18 and be like, how did I get a car this nice? That's yeah. on my list for exactly that reason. You could add components if you want, even yeah. though I don't yeah, like yeah. going down that road and recommending, yeah, get True. a cheap Z4 and mod it to and death. And do a bunch of, don't do that. I'm not saying you can, but if you 
if you don't like the steering, if you don't like the handling feel and you want to upgrade the suspension a little bit and you know put better tires and brakes on it, I, I will give you that. Oh, tires for okay. sure. And and here's the thing. The only Add way power you, stop brakes to it, all right? There you go. The only way you could get actually the steering that you want out of it is if you get the M version of the convertible, but I think that is going to be out of your budget. Yeah. The, the M convertible. I said M coupe, but yeah, in, M convertible, but it will be. See, I had to like I know. You start s- at you 100. S- I backed it off to like what 40. What happened is you thought BMW wound up an enthusiast auto and then you went – None of this works. None what of can this we applies. go beyond? Yeah. So what's in there? But mm-hmm. I, I'm starting with that MX5 RF. Okay. Boxsters are high on my list. I don't care what you tell me. They're awesome. I, I have Just some thoughts awesome. to add on that. But yes. Bring it. And then, uh, yeah, maybe a Z4. I can't really suggest the SLK. I mean, I'm enjoying the one I have mm-hmm. for our cheap car challenge. And I'm, I'm enjoying it for sure. you know, dynamics. Yeah. It's not the most fun thing in the world, but it's still fun. Mm-hmm. But I, if I were to choose, I'd get a Z4 for you, Michael. Mm. I like a lot of this, Michael. We, I'm going to cover some that have already been covered. First off, I have to echo Paul, which doesn't always happen, but here it does. You say that you think Miata is the answer. When I meet somebody who says, I've always wanted a Miata, I like Miatas. <laughs> or Corvettes. Get a Miata. Or no, but, but get a Miata. The only, the only reason, and I'm going to go back to your list, you, you've said you consider the Pontiac Solstice. I like the Solstice. I think it drives well. I think in turbo form, it's interesting and drives really well. Okay, it's not. It doesn't have a lot of usable space, but neither does the Miata. So that's not a consideration here. Yeah. But the only reason I think you get a Solstice is because you don't want a Miata. You're a person okay. who's like, I just don't like Miatas. I just can't see myself in a Miata. There are those people. Then, uh, yeah, absolutely. Then you should get a Pontiac Solstice because they're great. Yeah. yeah. But if you like Miatas, just get a Miata. They're fantastic. They've got tons of options for your budget. Tons of things you can do to it. If anything breaks on the one you buy, that's just out there. You just can just go buy a new of whatever that was. And if you, here's the only reason, Michael, that I haven't ever owned one. I don't fit. If I fit, they would probably have been in my garage already. They're yeah, great. So if you fit and you want to learn to drive manual, that's just easy. So, yes, Miata is always the answer. It works for you. I like the Boxster for you with one caveat. You would like a Boxster. They drive wonderfully well. They are a fantastic Miata alternative and vice versa. If you're going to buy it, and that Porsche badge and the insurance and the reality of the fact you drive a Porsche is going to make you not want to drive it or be precious with it. Please don't buy a Boxster. There's just this inherent yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I put a Porsche in my garage. I can't believe I own a Porsche. And now it's raining, so I really shouldn't take it out. Yeah. It just happens. And I get it. I totally it understand it. But if you can buy a Boxster and just use it as car, and I don't mean be rude to it, mean to it, but drive it like you would drive it if it were a Miata, then get a Boxster. Why not? Of course, BMW Z4 you already covered. I am going to go to the left turn here because you mentioned it, so I have to say it. The 86. In your form, I would get the BRZ with the nicest interior you can find, good heated seats, etc. The only reason to get a BRZ here instead of the Miata is because the, you look at your life and you realize that's not enough usable space for me. <laughs> okay. And right. if you decide that, the thing, this is where the BRZ really shines here for your situation because you don't have convertible anymore, but it's an easy manual to drive. I think you'd like it. But I, I can't believe we went through all that, and you're probably just going to buy a Miata, which you'd be very happy with, by the way. Thanks for all your great questions, guys. Jeff Hober said on Facebook, just found out that Toyota makes a Highlander as a hybrid with 36 miles to the gallon. When did this happen, and what can possibly compete with that in similar size and quality? Jeff, there are a couple. The Kia Sorento hybrid is only fractionally smaller than that Highlander. We've driven it in a couple of different forms. It is excellent. So the Kia Sorento is one. Also, if I'm not mistaken, there is a current Ford Explorer hybrid 
Mm. I believe. So that's another one you could look into. Having said both of those, look at our Highlander hybrid uh, test drive on the test drive channel. We are genuine fans. It's well done. Olin asks, the Mach-E, the Volkswagen ID4, and the uh, Tesla Model Y would make a pretty interesting three-way comparison. Uh, Olin, you're you're in luck. Because <laughs> we agree. The reason we're posting those right now on Instagram is because we put those three together for episode one of season nine. It is currently in post production, and you know what? It is a cool comparison. We thought it was going to be cool, then we got those and went, "Yeah, this is going to be fun." <laughs> There's a comment from Alpha Dragon seventy seven who says he's twisted, but he thinks a better April Fool's joke for Volkswagen would have been to announce they're calling their new EV battery the D Cell. D C E L L D C Got it. Okay. Yeah. Revs up says if you could give us both an answer, both of us give your answer. If you were the product planner or CEO, mm. whatever job that influences the company, Wall Street, which car company would you work with? And what cars and features and tweaks to the cars would you make? Oh, interesting. Okay. I have three companies. I left Porsche alone because, for the most part, Porsche can do no wrong, so they don't need help, right? Stop. Okay. <laughs> yeah, all right. They do need a 550 Spider slotting in just below the Boxster that is a little bit more price-sensitive with less leather and features mm. and just make it raw and stripped down and drivers and manual and... Porsche likes to start their Boom. cars at 999999. <laughs> that should be at 299999. Yeah, that should be that. I mean, I... Yeah. Anyway, revs up. I'm starting with Infinity. Oh, okay. Infinity needs help. Do they not? <laughs> Let's help them. Okay. All right. I'm waiting. They don't need any big SUVs. Leave that to Nissan. Mm. Just let Nissan sell mm. all the SUVs. Let's let Infinity kind of be this brand where it started, this ethereal, we don't quite know what it is, and it's mm. undefinable, and let's redefine it. That Those Project 9 and Project 10 concept cars... Mm. Made me stop and stare. Yeah, I hear that. I love those things. Very cool. Doing something like that and making Infinity a little bit more boutique. Mm. Not for everybody. Lexus can be left alone. You know, Acura. Mm. Doesn't matter. Nissan has plenty of product to make up those sales. Interesting point. Let's do those kinds of cars. Maybe there's a choice between gas and electric. Maybe there's some kind of cool balance. But... I don't think they need SUVs. They don't need the Narwhal. They don't. Interesting. Okay. BMW is the second car company oh. that we would work with. <laughs> You're going to fix the teeth. Well, we're going to, yeah, we're going to fix the styling, not just the teeth. <laughs> okay. We're going to fix everything because they have decided to model their styling on specific hard lines. Mm, okay. There's no negative space. That is the space in between a feature on a car or a character mm, line mm. and let that that shoulder line, that undefinable, but it's defined by the reflection. Mm. So I consider that sort of a negative space. That's what Mercedes is doing. Okay. There's not very many sharp character lines or feature lines on the surface, but the surfaces are gorgeous. Interesting. Okay. So well-defined. BMW has gone the opposite direction. It's almost like a wireframe model of a car. And then we just oh, okay. connected with, you know... Wax paper in between the lines, I guess. <laughs> what was that? Was it the Gina concept that really was wireframe with yes. just uh, material over it? And it had winking eyes yeah. and stuff. It is like they followed that, that path. That's Where did that go? Well, that was the gorgeous iteration of that. But I would have them be the first to build a lightweight electric sports car. Oh, interesting. Okay. It gives them their name back. Ultimate driving machine is an old slogan, but it's not a bad one. Yeah. Well, and it's the it's the slogan that most people seem to still connect with. Yes. Yeah. And then finally, Maserati. 
Oh, wow. You're just throwing down. Keep going. No sedans and no SUVs from Maserati. I would clean those out. Hmm. You don't. Maserati does not need to publish sales figures and be really profitable. <laughs> they have a parent company for that. With the Stellantarians covering Alpha and Lancia right. and okay. Dodge and Chrysler. Ah, uh, the Stellantarians. <laughs> They're going to beam us up at any time. Yes, they yes. are. Do we need Maserati to be profitable? Do, do we need them to sell does all the same kinds of cars yeah, point, everybody point else taken. does? Point taken. Look, like Polestar relates to the Volvo brand or Genesis relates to the Hyundai brand. Okay. I, I want them to be the technological spear of the company, mm. but bring back the boutique kinds of cars that resurrect that birdcage, but not the 75th anniversary stupid birdcage concept that came out. It <laughs> was stupid, stupid and ugly. Stupid birdcage. Hate it. I want you to go to the Panini Motor Museum. It's paninimotormuseum.it, started by Umberto Panini, who owns the cheese factory in Modena, Italy, that I had the pleasure of going to in 2013. Wow. Okay. That was a list. They make Romano and Parmesan. They have cheese flipping robots at the factory. <laughs> <laughs> Not kidding. <laughs> you know what we need more of? Cheese flipping robots. <laughs> that's do. That's just key. You have to turn the wheel of cheese two times a day. Mm-hmm. And you have to do it for a certain number of days to keep the wheel of cheese properly. I don't know. Took somebody's job, you're I, saying. I, I know Got nothing it. about okay. cheese. Nevertheless, Maserati, I think, has one of the most unique names list of any car company. Mm. Ghibli, Bora, Maroc. Kamsen, Chubasco, Simun, Mistral. Yeah. They've got a lot of unique names that they could bring these cars back. And the new MC20, that's a good start because it's my understanding they'll have a really great internal combustion engine powertrain and they might offer a hybrid or full electric powertrain. So okay. kind of depending on who that customer is. Sure. But that's a good step for them to start doing these boutique kinds mm. of cars. But I'm looking at the 60s Maseratis with yeah. the beautiful yeah, yeah, yeah. clean surfaces. And let's bring some of those back. Let's That's really make Maserati desirable again. Ferrari can keep doing their thing with wacky stuff. They're building an SUV. Mm. Who cares? Let's make Maserati beautiful and clean and pure again. Wow. I'm going to go with a question that I didn't see that one you saw, but I saw this one that's similar. Jayhawk Trev said, if you could dump a truckload of cash on one manufacturer's doorstep with directions to build a car, their normal R&D budget would not allow, which manufacturer would it be? And I pondered this for a while, and I landed someplace I didn't expect initially, and that is Chevy. Not because oh. Chevy doesn't make boatloads of cash, but because Chevy has really good engines, great chassis engineers. Yeah. The current C8 Corvette is awesome. They have nothing competing in the world of the 86s and the Miatas. This is true. What if that? What if Chevrolet put... And they could come out with a Pontiac and call it the solstice again. I don't care. But the point is, what if they really targeted that world? Lightweight, two-seat, dedicated rear-wheel drive sports car with all of their good engines and chassis engineers. They're never going to do that. It doesn't make any sense on the, the profit and loss sheet at all. But if they did, what would that car be? And I think it has a, a chance of being, and I know I've talked about the Corvette lineup again. Here I'm there again. But seriously, that would be awesome. I think it does t- dovetail in that Corvette lineup. Yes. The Solstice, the Fiero mid-engine small, mm-hmm. competing against a 550 Spider. Yes. Chevy and Porsche competing. Come on. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yes to that. B. Swilkey just looked on BMW's website and found that 230 and M240 are no, are no longer able to build in price 
Only the M2 and front-wheel drive 2 Series are there. Did they kill them off? It's not our understanding at this point. Sometimes car manufacturers will do that as they're in between you know, model changeovers or you know, just by virtue of factory shutting down. If they can't fulfill orders, mm. you can't post it for sale and say, look, you can get this at your dealership or you can get it, you know, order it right now. We don't know quite what's going on behind the scenes at BMW, and obviously that's a <laughs> Clearly. little bit concerning. Yeah. But I don't see that rear-wheel drive platform going anywhere, to be honest, the the rear-wheel drive version of the 2 Series. If it does, that's going to be a problem. There's There's going to be... War in the Swamp is my... War in the Swamp. Wow, that's an interesting... My mom, number two, says that a lot. She's, oh, okay. she's a Kansan, and uh, she yes. says War in the Swamp. There's some odd things. My parents come from that part of the world as well. There's <laughs> you know some I mean? odd, odd statements that come out she of there. She always says that. There's going to be War in the Swamp if that doesn't happen. Wow. okay. <laughs> like, I don't know what that means, Grab but that sounds fork. dangerous. Grab a pitchfork and some camo. It's going to yes. get serious. Yeah. Charlie Ernest says, are coilovers really worth it? He has a 2009 WRX hatch with saggy suspension with 150,000 miles on the dash. He's on the original suspension, which, yes, it's probably time to change it. He's wondering if it's worth the extra money over the stock struts. He has no intention of tracking or lowering the car. Uh, Charlie, there's a side note here that happens in cardom where you bought a sports car that handles really well, but what it needs is a full suspension change. (laughs) The factory had no idea what they were doing. You need sway bars. You need you. You're gonna have to change every single bushing on the car. You're gonna have to get coilovers. What are you thinking? Okay, that's a bridge too far. Okay, coilovers can be great. I'll give you a great example. I have them on my Lotus, and I love them on my Lotus. It gives that car one of the best rides of any car we normally drive. And then I go track it. I drive a Lotus Elise, which is already quite extreme. The coilers were put on by a prior owner who tracked the car a lot. Okay, mm-hmm. I would. I didn't seek it out because it had that. I was just like, okay, bonus. There's there's nothing wrong with the stock suspension on the Elise, by the way. I think in your situation, there's no reason to spend the extra money. If you told me you did want to change the way that it, that it, the actual ride height, or you were going to track it a lot, I'd say maybe. Maybe still wouldn't say guaranteed, but maybe because you can also go for more aggressive suspension than you had. That is still a factory strut. It's just the more aggressive version. But I think replace. This is what I suspect because it happened on my nine two X, which, as we all know, is a Subaru in Saab clothing. I had a suspension. The suspension go out on that car. It was just. It was just old. I put on the brand new factory fresh version of what it came with, and it was revolutionary. Mm-hmm. To how it drove. So I think if you just go right back to stock suspension, you'll be very happy. Lance J. Roberts has a couple of questions. First off, why does everybody ridicule plug-in hybrids that only get 15 to 25 miles of battery-only driving range, which is plenty for short commutes, he says, and around town errands? He's mainly wondering why cars like the BMW 330e and Mercedes 350e don't get any attention at all. Hmm. We like the Volt. The Volt is very much that, those hybrids. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's price, to be honest, because you're buying, you're packing a lot of tech into a car, first of all. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody still just kind of wants to wait and see, is our electric cars really going to be a thing? Is that really where it's going? Mm-hmm. Who's going to build what? Is it going to be some sort of just gas engines over here and full electric over here? What is everybody doing? Mm-hmm. And it just, even though I agree, Lance, they're very good and we like them a lot for that reason. They're expensive. They're pretty heavy. It's two full propulsion systems. Yes, it's two different ones. Yeah. And I just think they're ignored because people just aren't sure about, is that the way things are going to go? I think it's a Band-Aid. I think it's just a temporary solution. And it's a foot in both camps. For the most part, they kind of are. Yeah. I 
I would love to see hybrids continuing. I just, I mean, I'm looking at the supercar into the market. Mm. We've been there though. We were there almost 10 years ago with the must or the Porsche 918 spider and the McLaren yep. P one and the Ferrari, La mm. Ferrari. I mean, that came out. Yeah. It's coming up on a decade almost. I know it is for sure. And that seems like old news, especially for that top end of the market. It just yeah. seems like, okay, yeah. good. Kind of a toe in the pool, kind of a tester. What's, what's the real thing after that? Unless people back off and be like, Hey, this is a manual V12. Buy it or don't, you know, <laughs> talk about a return to a different time. You know what I mean? Yeah, I did, but that's not where it's going. And I think everybody just sort of like, yeah, I'm not sure. We'll see where it's going, but I don't want to really buy one of those. T no on Instagram says after seeing the success of the Bronco, do we think Chevy will change directions with the blazer to compete more with the Bronco Wrangler and the forerunners of the world? I do not think they will at all. I think they've decided that the blazer is, I really wanted a Camaro, but I have to have five or more seats. Mm -hmm. They decided that's what the blazer is going to be in the same way. Let's be honest that Ford decided if the Mustang is going to live on, it needs to be an SUV and it needs to be electric. It's similar thinking where Chevy's going to compete here is with the Hummer. Yeah. All yep. of Chevy's, yep. how can we make a crazy off-roader thinking is being poured into the new electric Hummer. I realize it's in a completely different price category than the Bronco, the Wrangler, and the Forerunner, but GM is counting on the fact that the Hummer is going to be electric and crazy and good off-road. That's where all of that development's going. Second question from Lance here is about the ID4 and that and the Mustang Mustang Mach E both having black lower rocker panels between the wheels there to make the car look skinnier. He says, first of all, that's body shaming. No, it's not body shaming. <laughs> it's not. I like that. That's funny. All right. It's designed specifically to reduce the proportional height so they'll mm -hmm. sell cars. Yeah, yeah. Because if it's too tall, it, it looks like, will look like a minivan. And it looks it starts to look like an Aztec. That's yes. the other thing about it. If you, if, here's the thing. Think about if all of those lower rockers that were black were actually now a stick-on applique that stuck out from the car and was body color. You'd have the Aztec. Or a Macan, I hate to say well, it. there's that as well. But he's realized that as that is a gimmick, he, all he, it's all he can see now, and both cars just look, look like minivans. Well, mm -hmm. imagine that. You, you color it body color and see how worse it gets. Mm -hmm. And Jason Camisa actually just did a recent video mm -hmm. that actually explained it really well. The Mustang Mach-E is yeah. very much, this is what designers are employed to do, is still sure. keep those themes, but make it useful because mm -hmm. that's always the fight. Engineers and product planners want to sell cars. They need to be useful. Yeah. Designers want the sexy, cool, fun object. Where's the middle? Where's that mm -hmm. meeting of the minds? He says he don't, doesn't think these body styles will age well. They might look sleek and modern now, but in a few years they'll look dated. Um, it really kind of depends on uh, on the style. I think being next to the Mustang Mach-E, even though I wanted more of a four-door sedan, I showed that in my sketch when I did the, uh, mm -hmm. the design on that one. I appreciated a lot of what Ford was doing with that. The proportions were friendlier to my eye in person. It, it has a really good presence in person. I'll give it that for it sure. Does. The Volkswagen, they're trying new things. Um, they're, they're trying new things. <laughs> that was tact. Did you hear the amount of tact in Paul's voice while he said that? Yeah. I, I like that they are. I think they're finding their voice more than ever. There, there's a few more sensual arcs mm. in that car than in the prior Passat or the Jetta or anything like that that are just... Those no. are workhorse, workaday cars, yeah. design-wise, and the ID fours. There's a little flamboyant. They're yeah. finding something. Yeah, I see and it. flamboyance I see is a relative term, and we're talking about German design from Volkswagen. We are, yes, it is all relative. You're right. Yep. 
Benedict Joseph says he has a new job, which means he's losing his company car. Now, normally that means somebody says, so I need a commuter. He does need a commuter, but he also wants to buy something fun for everyday commuting, and we're all for that. He's looking at two cars, a used Lotus Evora six-speed manual or a used 911, and he has to have a 2 plus 2 because he has to have kids in the back. I love this, by the way. He says, would this be a little too harsh for Chicago and snow? (laughs) Benedict, I am just crazy enough to be the guy that would drive a Lotus Evora with snow tires through the Chicago winter. I I am just that crazy. That's not very many of us. There's a there's a small list of people that we're all being like observed. So I don't know if you are quite that nuts. I actually think that if you got yourself a used 911 4S, Ooh. you would be very happy yeah. in all weather. Never think twice. I, there's something about the Evora that by its nature is going to feel very out of place in the snow in downtown Chicago. Now, if you're weird like me, you might want to do it anyway. But I also think if, and I don't know what your budget is, if you were able to get into a 991911, which personally I think is a little too big, but it's great when you need to use the back seats. So if you can get into an early 991, so that's like 2013 range, 2014, if you can get into a 4S early 991, you'll have genuinely usable back seats more so than they are in the Evora, and you'll have all-wheel drive, and you'll have a car that I think, while you will stand out in the winter, is going to be feel perfectly normal in the winter as well. Trenton James Doherty says, Hyundai Palisade or Mazda CX-9 for his wife? Which one and why? Uh, I think you can save a little bit of money and go Mazda CX-9, and that will be definitely more driver-focused and driver enjoyment. It's also got a nice turbo, and it gives you a really quick off-the-line kind of feel. But that Hyundai Palisade cannot be ignored for its tech and its luxury and its comfort for long road trips. So if she's more into the tech and more features... It does have more features than the CX-9, and it's a little bit newer. Very much about what does she want. And the styling is very personal at that Mm -hmm. point. The CX-9 is a little bit more traditional, but you can definitely recognize this is the same company that builds the Miata. That is inherent in driving Mm. the CX-9. It's faint, but it's there. <laughs> I would I would watch on our original channel. We have a, a TV episode that's actually on there now that is the Telluride, the Pilot, and the CX-9. The Telluride and the Palisade are sister cars. You could watch that piece. We talk about it in depth. Adrian Lane says, are the last cars made with hydraulic steering and no traction control or defeatable nannies going to be collector items someday? Or will te- technology advance enough that we don't care about that analog feel? Based on how things are going with all the auction sites, <laughs> I think that tells us enough. Yeah, I think they're very much – they're already collector's items. I think what it's doing is moving the goalpost for how soon a car becomes a collector car. Interesting. Okay. We've talked about 40 years being sort of the yeah. – that's the bottom and they're yeah. going to start turning back the other way now. I think that goalpost and that decade range is moving ever closer mm. because we're going away from those so quickly. And technology's moving so quick, yeah. yeah. And lastly here from Chris Starr. Pizza, the best pizza delivery. He passed oh, the a best car ST. for that? Okay, yeah. interesting. Passed a Fiesta ST with a pizza delivery sign. What is the ultimate pizza delivery car? Clearly, it is any mid-engine Lamborghini with the box right over the engine so the heat keeps the pizza warm. <laughs> We're solving problems here at Everyday Driver. Yeah, we are. <laughs> All the money you make as a delivery driver will pay for a tank of gas in that car. Maybe. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. Really appreciate it. Keep them coming. And also your Topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, and, of course, your car debates Mm -hmm. at everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. Cheers, everyone.